his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Between now and 6 o'clock, I'm going to read the resume for Lieutenant Colonel Joe Albert because it is extensive. He has been here before, but just to give you some highlights, I mean, he was part of the Joint Chiefs of Staff in the 90s. He has been involved in projects in Somalia, Rwanda, the United Nations. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, the, 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 the resume here is very impressive. Uh, I'm looking here, uh, assigned to General Staff U.S. Army Europe and 7th Army Race Relations Officer, Civil Affairs School, Fort Bragg, became instructor for U.S. Special Ops Command, Fort Bragg Instructing PSYOPs, Delta Force, National Defense University. Holy cow. Colonel, thanks for being here again. It's always a pleasure, Frank. Now, my first question has nothing to do with Iran, Israel, Syria, North Korea, or the Space Force. It has to do with something that you sent me. You're putting flags on 15,000 veterans' graves? That's correct. Uh, my American Legion post, Coke Conley Post 121, has the uh, Cathedral Cemetery in Scranton as our area of operation, so to speak. And for the last 30-some years, we've been planting flags and markers on veterans' graves at the cemetery. There are over 15,000 veterans from the Civil War through the present lying in rest in Cathedral Cemetery. 15,000. Over 15,000. Wow. For years, Coke Conley had a membership of over 4,000, so it wasn't that difficult a problem. Age and time have taken its toll, obviously, and we're at a point now that we're out looking for volunteers to help us. And we've had some generous support from ROTC cadets at the University of Scranton, a couple of local banks have volunteered, some Boy Scouts, uh, some school students. And we're getting done, but we've got about 12,000 more to do before Memorial Day. Well, so, I mean, I'm mentioning that to uh, to all of you because if you are a scout group, Boy Scout, Girl Scout, whatever, if you're any kind of a youth group, church youth group, anybody that wants to volunteer, you can contact us. We'll get you in touch with uh, Colonel Albert, and you can help uh, honor those veterans. Okay. First question. Yes, sir. <sighs> Iran. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> we, we spoke about Iran yeah, once now, before. I kept talking to you about North Korea, and you kept steering us to all these places. I said I joked on the air that one of the things I was going to do is I wasn't going to talk about the current politics. I was going to ask you what's going to happen in six months. <laughs> you seem to know. But, but the, the, let, me, let, me, let me ask you, the Iran deal, was it a piece of junk or what? In my opinion, I don't think it was the best deal for the United States. The people that negotiated it, quite frankly, were the same people that helped North Korea get their nuclear weapons. The same team of people from the State Department. Uh, John Kerry's got some very questionable fingers in this based upon his family, his family's background, who they're married to, some very heavy Iranians. And the biggest problem with the Iran deal, it was never presented to the Congress for ratification. The president just took it upon himself to use the U.N. and say, this is what we're going to do. Was that, I mean, was it an attempt to just kick the can down the road, just give them something to appease them? I don't know what 
exactly the mentality of the people that put the deal together. Uh, don't forget, the Russians, the French, the English, the Germans, all the so-called signatories are making big money off the deal. Uh, the people that are very upset about the deal, the Saudis, the Israelis, and should be the United States. The question is, where is the United States going to go and what is our role? Now, there's all kinds of questions now that I, I guess by May 15th, the president have to, has to decide if we're in or out. Uh, a lot of people are saying, oh, no, stay in. The European Union is saying, oh, no, uh, Israel's lying. All this intel is baloney. They're, they're honoring the deal. Condoleezza Rice came out this morning and said, if you bag, got rid of the deal, wouldn't hurt us at all. I would agree with Condoleezza Rice. The problem is, what are you going to do with the stuff they already have? <laughs> The uh, part of the deal says that if you want to have inspections, Iran must allow them. They have a month to yeah. get ready for them. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the same thing happened to us in Iraq after we got rid of uh, Saddam Hussein. Uh, he threw us out uh, after the first Gulf War. We had inspection teams going in, and he threw them out. Uh, they went in by way of the United Nations, but he stopped it because he claimed there were too many CIA people, which was true, on the teams. And he stopped the inspections, and presto, the weapons disappeared. Now, Israel... I have always been impressed with Israel, and, and their intelligence is strong. Their military is strong. Would you trust what, what they found, these 100,000 documents that reveal that Iran's secretly working on nuclear weapons when they're telling everybody they're a, you know, a country of peace? I'd say take it at face value, number one. Number two, Israeli intelligence is very good. And what, how they accomplish this, they have a couple of moles in Iran. And they've just been collecting documents, and they produce them as needed. The question is, what happens to the sources that produce the documentation? And how credible is the documentation? Have we had a chance to take a look at it? I don't know. Well, there's a report today on, on the Hill that says oh. that U.S. confirms the authenticity of the documents. So somebody's looking at it. Well, if, if we confirm the authenticity of the documents, then it's true. Oh. And there, there really isn't much of a question of what they're doing. The question is, what's the role of the United States? The problem is there's a lot of internal quiet dissent in Iran. We'd like to see a change of government. And remember this, the Iranians have never uh, ratified the agreement they're a party to. You mean the, the Iran, this infamous Iran deal, they haven't ratified it? Absolutely not. So we didn't go to Congress. They didn't ratify it. <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Well, this is how diplomacy works in the 21st century, Frank. I guess so. So, so let, me, let me ask you to put on your, your soothsayer uh, hat here. So let's say it's May 15th. We pull out of the Iran deal. What's the effect? The effect is, is more, I believe, on our partners in the deal. The Russians, the European Union, France. Great Britain, Germany, how they're going to respond. They're making money off of this. And they're taking, they're going to have to take a second look themselves because. How are they making money off this? Selling weapons? Selling all kinds of ingredients to make weapons, selling weapon systems. Uh, the Russians, uh, 
the Russians have the highest stake. They have the most to lose should this deal totally fall apart. Well, that's a good reason to make it fall apart. <laughs> well, the, the, the problem is the Russians aren't going away. The Russians are a force to be reckoned with. Mr. Putin has just gotten reelected, and you want to talk about collusion, corruption, and <laughs> fixed elections. Let's, let's talk unanimously, about Unanimously. Vote in, uh, unanimously. That's right. <laughs> but the problem is, from a United States perspective, what is our role and what role do we want to play? Do we want to be the key player in the system? Can we afford not to be the key player? And that's something that is being debated at the Pentagon on a daily basis. And I can assure you with the new Secretary of Defense, it's going to be debated in the State Department. Now, you're the military expert, but me as, as just a radio talk show host, I say that our role, we have to protect Israel. Israel got this information because they're the ones that, that have the target on them. Iran wants to push them into the sea. Well, you... They want to destroy and eliminate Israel without question. The problem also is with the Saudis. And the Saudis and the Israelis are getting a little bit closer, which is bizarre. <laughs> well, it's bizarre, but it's in the best interest of both parties and the United States. Because what you've got here is a religious war that they've been fighting for thousands of years between the Sunnis and the Shiites. And that's what this is boiling down to in the Arab world, is who runs, who runs the ship? Is it going to be Iran and the Shiites, or is it going to be Saudi Arabia and the Sunnis? Now, we already have one war going on in Yemen that most of America is not aware of. Uh, it's been a civil war that's been fighting for five years, and it's a surrogate war between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Iran is backing one side and Saudi Arabia is backing the other. And they're just killing each other every single day. The rest of the world, the powers that be, are just kind of watching and keeping their fingers crossed that uh, it, it's an experimental uh, attempt to test out weapon systems on a, a small country as opposed to between two world powers. Okay, now, we're going to take a break, and we, we, we have lots more to talk about, but I just want to tell you this. I have had a lot of people that texted and said, oh. I'm retired Army, I'm retired Marines, I'm Navy. What do I do to help with these uh, flags for veterans' graves? Where oh. are we going? Well, we're going to be starting tomorrow up at Cathedral at 10 o'clock, if they'd like to come, and uh, we're going to be there most of the day. Uh, come to the old chapel and we'll get you started and we'll show you exactly the areas that need to be uh, replaced and remarked. Uh, you know, it, it almost seems remarkable to me. You're, you're retired military. I know you got a billion things to do and you're spending your time between now and May 28th, which is Memorial Day, putting flags on graves. That's pretty, pretty impressive. Well, I thank you, but it, believe me, it's not me. It's, it's the people that are working, the volunteers, the veterans. Uh, it's the people that care about the community. And we come from a very patriotic part of the country, northeastern Pennsylvania. It really is very patriotic. And the citizens, I would say, for the most part, are very good people. Okay, Lieutenant Colonel Joe Albert is with us. We, get, we didn't even get to Korea yet. It's 13 minutes before 4 o'clock. We're going to take a break. If you have a question or you want to text something that I can throw at the Colonel, please, 8830098, 1-800-437-0098. I'm Frank Andrews. We'll be back on WILK. 
In the uh, studio with us is Lieutenant Colonel Joe Albert. Uh, he's been a military advisor for me back in the days of uh, Newswatch 16. And so as soon as I got on the radio here, I bugged him again. And we're, we're talking about all of the different military things that are in the news. And we've been talking about Iran. Uh, North Korea. Boy, you were, you were skeptical of North Korea when we were here. Are you still? I am and I'm not. And I, I say that this way. Uh, North Korea moved to the table strictly because of the Chinese <laughs> and the Russians. And the only reason the Russians and the Chinese have pushed them as hard as they have is they pushed Trump as hard as they thought they could. And they found they can't push them anymore. So it's better to sit down and have a talk. Uh, the question I think you asked me the last time I was here regarding North Korea was, should they meet? Where are they going to meet? Yeah, I remember and that. I, yeah. I said that was the biggest problem in deciding where to go. I, I received a report earlier today that they're going to have their meeting in the DMZ. That's incredible, isn't it? That is absolutely incredible, but not unexpected in this regard. First of all, uh, I'm not sure the North Koreans really want Kim Jong leaving so far away. <laughs> he may not come back. Uh, they've got a little bit of control this way. Uh, second, most importantly, uh, the fact for the president to go to the DMZ is creates a, a, a total aura of legitimacy to both sides because people seem to forget Legally, we're and technically, we're still at war with North Korea. We have a, a peace treaty, but we haven't ended the war officially. And hopefully, this will do that when they get together. And both sides are working on this now. Remember, I told you that when leaders meet, it's not just coming in off the street like you and I talk. These things are programmed, uh, planned, every smallest detail, and basically, they're briefed right up to the second that they shake hands with each other and the press takes the picture and both sides have a good idea of what they're going to talk about. The fly in the ointment is our current president. He may go off script and we, and we don't know what's going to happen with that, but it will be in the best interest of the United States no matter what he does. You mean you mean like uh, denuclearize and then let us put up a casino around? <laughs> <laughs> we, don't, we don't know. Uh, but don't forget, you've got uh, a million-man army on the North Korean side of wow. the DMZ. Uh, and the fact that they're meeting there, that gives legitimacy, real legitimacy, to the fact that uh, we have no interest in North Korea. We just want to make sure South Korea is not invaded and taken over. South Korea has really no interest in the North. They'd like to be reunified, but it's not going to happen because of this meeting. This is a, a long-term situation that is going to have to evolve gradually, and it'll start with the denuclearization of North Korea, removal of certain American uh, armaments, and... Uh, intelligence, et cetera, from South Korea, eventually removal of American forces from South Korea, moving back North Korean forces. It's not going to be done in six months. It's not necessarily going to be done in two years. It's going to take some time, but it's it's the start. And it's going to make the Chinese feel better. It's going to make the Russians feel better.
Well, okay, now we're going to take a break. We're going to get caught up on news. We're going to find out what happened on Wall Street. And, uh, you know, we're going to come back. And I have more questions about China and, and Russia with Lieutenant Colonel Joe Albert. I'm Frank Andrews. This is WILK. In the studio with us, Lieutenant Colonel Joe Albert, who is a military advisor and an old friend for a long time here in northeastern Pennsylvania, and he always gives us great insight. But the thing that's most impressive today, Colonel, is I said the very first question, you're putting 15,000 flags on veterans' graves at Cathedral Cemetery, and here's the texts that are coming in. I just heard part of the segment about placing the flags in cemeteries for Memorial Day. We would like to help. Would you please give us more contact information? information. <laughs> I mean, I, I, every other text is, how can we help? That, that's great. That's great. All they have to do is come to Cathedral Cemetery in Scranton, which is located on Main Avenue on Orem Street, which is office of uh, North Main Avenue in Scranton. Uh, come to the old chapel and we'll give them a map and show them an area and it'll be their area and they can uh, remove the old flags, replace the markers and replace the with new flags. I saw something from the county uh, talking about damaged markers. Is, is there some program to replace the damaged bronze markers? Absolutely. It, and that's one of the things that we'll be doing is replacing. We, we've got boxes of damaged markers that we turn back in and the county recycles them where possible or melts them down and remakes them. Okay. All right. Let's get back to North Korea. We've been talking about uh, Iran. We've been talking about the Iran deal. By the way, here's here you, you, we're talking about Iran, and this just broke. Um, John Kerry says Netanyahu's information showed why the Iran nuclear deal was needed because it's working. I don't know how it's working, but John... That's a little strange to <laughs> yeah. me, too. John. I mean, the, the deal was they're not supposed to be doing this. Right. And it's they're the doing it, stuff. so what's working? What's working? Right. The, the problem is that once you stop something, it's very difficult to uh, replace it. Uh, North Korea is, is a remarkable situation that's happening right now because uh, the two leading allies of North Korea, China and Russia, have received such pressure from the United States, especially China now. Don't forget, we've imposed tariffs on China that we didn't have before, and that's hurting their economy. The Russian economy is in shambles because of problems in Syria, problems in the Crimea, and as a result, the Russians want to see a stable North Korea and South Korea peninsula to take some pressure off and let the United States perhaps take the pressure off the Chinese and the Russians with regard to our tariffs because everything revolves around the economy for everybody. The dollar's the key. Food, oil, uh, rations, housing, everything depends upon security and stability. And that's a key issue. And the reason the North Koreans are coming to the table is North Korea is on the brink of total elimination uh, economically because, because of, of our sanctions. sanctions. Yeah, our sanctions. They have no economy. They don't make anything. They import everything. They can't feed their people. The Russians and the Chinese have been putting the pressure on. North Korea is seeing the light of day. They're a member of the nuclear club. The fact that they're willing to discuss denuclearization is an accomplishment 
unknown to the world and the world will take a long time to really appreciate it and they will because it's one less problem with regard to nuclear war for example i'll just tell you one thing that people are not aware of you know india and pakistan both have nuclear weapons they're both nuclear powers and one of the jobs of the secretary of state three or four times a day is talking each other out of firing their missiles at each other three or four times a day (laughs) three or four times a day that's how bad the situation is between india and pakistan and the american public has no idea about it now this is the kind of thing where in six months i'll be saying remember back on may 1st you talked about india i mean who's our friend either well we're we're supposed to be friends with both the question is who do we trust more that's that's a good question. I don't know. I, I honestly don't know, Frank. Uh, Pakistan is supposed to be an ally. India is supposed to be an ally. We've had problems with both. India's turned to China for assistance. Uh, Pakistan has been wavering. And the key is keeping these two powers apart, keeping their peace between them. Now, you, you mentioned that when, when, uh, when the president meets Kim Jong-un at the DMZ or, or wherever the meeting takes place, that it's not just going in and shaking hands, that there's lots going to be going on. Absolutely. What, what, what do we need out of this deal? He, he said, we'll denuclearize if we get a, a pledge that the United States won't invade. Well, we kind of already said that, you know. Well, yeah. the, the, the problem with the no evasion pledge is that Kim Jong has to believe when the president says the United States has no intention to invade North Korea. And Trump has to convince him that I mean what I say. When I'm the president, we're not going to invade your country. What do we want with North Korea? What can they possibly offer us except a marketing opportunity? Yeah, or not eliminating South Korea. Exactly. Exactly. So we have no reason to want to go to war with North Korea. The only way we will go to war is because of commitments we've made with South Korea, Japan, Australia. Well, is there anything in your mind that could derail this? Certainly. Uh, Kim Jong starts testing again. Uh, One of his generals decides that we don't like this situation. We want to run the show. Uh, like a military coup or something? Absolutely. I think it's a little far-fetched because he's got some pretty solid control. Don't forget he had his uncle killed for not <laughs> clapping hard enough. <laughs> yeah. with, with, with like an anti-aircraft gun or something. Yeah, he's not a very nice guy. But he's he is the leader of the country. And... People seem to forget. We look at things from our point of view, and we've got to start looking at things from the other side of the camera sometimes. And in North Korea, for example, the population doesn't know anything except the Kim Jong family. For the last 50 years. Yeah, that, that fellow that was at the State of the Union said that he was he was going somewhere in North Korea to eat dirt because they found out there was some edible dirt. I mean, the, the, the people there have to be just dying. Well, they don't know any better. They don't know there's a better world. The, the, only, the people that are in the best position in North Korea are the ones in the military. They get three meals a day. They have uh, bedding. Housing, even though they're filled with parasites, that <laughs> well, but compared to the rest of the public, they're in pretty good shape. 
Yeah, there's a political cartoon that came out today, and it has Kim Jong-un uh, hugging a guy from uh, South Korea, and he's saying, we're finally going to get a McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> they won't know what to do with it. <laughs> they won't know and, what to and, do. And don't forget, with South Korea, they still have, half of South Korea still has family in North Korea. Yeah. And they'd like to see them. You know, being so involved in the military, if if this war, you know, is finally settled, Will it mean something to the Korean veterans? I mean, do they care or is it too far gone? I don't know. I think they care. They would, I believe, feel that what they did wasn't in vain. And don't forget, it's an entirely different time, Frank, than even from Vietnam. Uh, we, we faced a Cold War. We had the world was divided into two parts, east and west. You had the Allies versus the Axis. The Russians were the bad guys. The Chinese were the bad guys. The Americans were the good guys. The Brits were the good guys. And North Korea really was the, uh, the bridge that, that brought everything together in after the Second World War when Truman said, enough is enough, we have to make a stand. And his advisors had made the advice, MacArthur in Japan, uh, we've got to stop the Russians. We've got to stop the Chinese. And then the Korean War started with the invasion from North Korea into South Korea. And that was, Korea was divided as a result of World War II because of Japan. And they had no use for Japan, either North or South, because of what Japan did to them during the war. But now it's a whole different ball game, and it's the same with with Vietnam. Uh, ask a Vietnam vet, was it worth it? It depends on where you were. Yeah. Now Vietnam is a, a marketing opportunity for the United States. Yeah, you go into a Walmart, you pick up a shirt made in Vietnam. All right, we're going to take a break. When we, I, I'm going to keep you here. I, I know I always pressure for a longer time, but I, we, you can't possibly go without me talking to you about Syria. So we'll take a break. We'll get caught up on traffic and weather in a minute, and we'll finish up our conversation with Lieutenant Colonel Joe Albert on WLK. Lieutenant Colonel Joe Albert with us in the studio. So before, I, before we, we run out of time, Syria... You talked about Syria last time. Uh, should we have attacked? Did we do the right thing? What happens next there? Well, first of all, we did the right thing by responding with the attack. Nobody was hurt. We let the Russians know we were coming. We had no choice. The Russians obviously decided either we let the Syrians get killed or we let them know and let them get out of there. And each side made their point. Uh, the Russians control Syria. Let's make no bones about it. The Russians are using the Iranians to control what's going on in Syria. And as soon as they find somebody they consider responsible that they want, Assad will be gone. In the meantime, we're standing by and watching. The question the American people should be asking is why do we have boots on the ground in Syria? What is the authorization? What is the responsibility? Why are we there? But people are screaming if we take the boots out of Syria that it'll be like Iraq. That's what they're screaming. But don't forget, we also have a new foreign policy team in the White House and the State Department. So let's see what happens in the next six months with regard to American action 
in that part of the world. Central Command is very busy. They're still we're still tied up in Afghanistan. We're still tied up in Iraq. Uh, Afghanistan is not going away. It's not winnable. Uh, maybe we should just leave. The Soviets learned their lesson when they were there. That was their Vietnam. Okay, we have a minute left. Okay. What should, I mean, you already mentioned India and Pakistan. What should we be keeping our eye on? We should be keeping our eye, we have to keep our eye on the Middle East. We have to keep our eye on what Iran is doing. We have to keep our eye on what the president is going to do in two weeks with regard to the Iran agreement. Uh, If he decides to pull out, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Although, if he does pull out, I don't think much will happen. I think it will hurt the uh, European Union. It will hurt the Russians because now we don't have a responsibility to sit back and watch them just make money. Uh, Israel has proven the fact with their intelligence that Iran is doing everything it said it wasn't going to do. (laughs) So the bottom line is, what role does the United States want to play? Some people say this is an Arab problem and we shouldn't get involved. But unfortunately, we are involved. As you said yourself, Israel is our only true ally in the Middle East. The Saudis cannot be depended upon, although there may be a regime change in Saudi Arabia. And there may be a whole new uh, NATO-type agreement within the Arab world that we might end up joining. Colonel, you're, uh, you're amazing. Every time you talk to us, our, our, our listeners agree. Thank you very much for being here. I'm grateful, and uh, thank you for what you're doing, and thank you for your service. 4.30, we'll get... His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone.